John, I want to thank you for the cred that this has given me to be involved in this podcast. I mean, people will say to me, where are you going? Well, I'm going to Brian Stewart's studio and I'm going to record the mayor for his podcast. And invariably, people will say to me, you're going to Brian Stewart's studio? (laughs) I was about to say, you're clearly talking to third graders because (laughs) third graders and below, that's the sweet spot for mayors. Are you going to try to make it so we can get those third graders to vote? Um... Well, there's a lot of pending legislation at the state and local level on on voter suppression, (laughs) and we probably need to stick up for those third graders. Sure, sure we do. Yeah, of course. It's always cool in Mesa. Yes, it is. It's always cool in Mesa. Yeah. Forget the degrees and just remember this, please. I said it's always cool in Mesa. If someone was making one of those cartoony maps of the valley, Phoenix might be represented by the Capitol building, Tempe by ASU, and it's likely that Mesa would be represented by the diving lady sign. She's our icon, and we love her. We love her so much we brought her back from the dead. It's always cool in Mesa. Episode five, the diving lady lives. It's always cool in Mesa. I don't want to be one of those loud, obnoxious parents at a soccer game, but go Mesa, you rock! Not only did downtown Mesa survive the pandemic, we added six new restaurants and six new retail shops with more openings on their way. 2,000 dwelling units are approved and under construction. And with a half a dozen one-of-a-kind breweries and three more opening soon, Mesa has become the craft beverage capital of Arizona. So clearly, Mesa rules! But the other cities are good, too. Everyone's a winner. But Mesa's the best. Downtown Mesa is back. I met with the founders of the Mesa Preservation Foundation, Vic Linoff and Ron Peters, to talk about Mesa's original heyday. First, I should probably tell you something about Vic. On second thought, I'll let you experience it yourself. I come into this place, and I'm supposed to be upbeat and friendly with no (laughs) real inspiration or encouragement. When my agent called, he said that um, there was going to be remuneration, there was going to be a green room, Uh, I would be served apple teenies, lobster, (laughs) and crab, and uh, I'm pretty upset, actually. And every time we meet, Vic grills me for not wearing the diving lady necktie he gave me years ago. So this time, I thought I'd beat him to the punch and at least try and explain why. You were kind to, to give me a diving lady necktie, and I uh, re-gifted it uh, in, lovingly to Brian Nissen because I thought, I'm not worthy of having this necktie. That is the lamest excuse. You are the mayor of Mesa, Arizona. You could be promoting... The diving lady every time you're in public. The truth is that tie goes with literally nothing unless you're Vic. It goes with everything if you're Vic. We finally got down to the question at hand. What made Mesa unique and put it on the map really was the fact that it had a major highway running through it. So anybody coming into the valley from the east would have to go through Mesa on Main Street. What that resulted in were many... Uh, tourist-oriented type businesses. So in 1958, two brothers from Kansas saw a business opportunity. 
They came out to Arizona to build the Starlight Hotel at the corner of Lindsay and Main Street, complete with a swimming pool. And what was the use of having a swimming pool if people didn't know you had one? They would need a sign, something spectacular. So they hired Paul Millett, the premier sign builder and neon artist in the valley, to make sure people knew that the Starlight definitely, definitely had a swimming pool. The sign was erected in 1960, complete with six and a half foot vertically placed letters, M-O-T-E-L. And alongside those letters were three figures of the diving lady in her aqua-colored, perfectly modest but not unattractive, one-piece bathing suit. First in the pike position, second in a perfectly straight downward angle, and the last just like the second, but now breaking the water. Six times a minute, every minute, every nighttime hour. It was, at the time, the tallest thing in Mesa, 78 feet high. Nothing like it had ever graced the Arizona skies. It was truly a thing of beauty. Downtown Mesa was once the hub, um, and that's where folks from Tempe and uh, Chandler and Gilbert would come. And I, I have great memories of downtown Mesa being this very hustling, bustling. You know, cars were double parked. The sidewalks were wall-to-wall people. I mean, if, if you needed to buy anything from a car to a wrench to a pair of jeans, the, that was the only place to go. Yeah. But in 1957, something happened in faraway Minnesota that was about to change everything. The first shopping mall. By 1968, Mesa had its own Tri-City Mall followed quickly by the 60 Freeway, Fiesta Mall, and eventually the Superstition Springs Mall. They drained downtown of all its vitality. For years, talented mayors and energetic city councils tried everything they could think of to revive downtown. But the spell of new freeways and malls were just too powerful. Then, something happened. I don't know what the history books will credit for Mesa's recovery. I'm sure there were many factors. But for people like me, Vic, Ron, and many others, the events of October the 5th, 2010, were very significant. We were actually sitting in a downtown coffee shop, and the sky turned black. <laughs> and we were beginning to wonder, this is going to be a big storm. It was a, basically, it was identified as a microburst. Whatever it was, it was strong enough to do something that hadn't happened in 50 years. It blew down the diving lady sign. Here's Ron Peters. When the sign fell over, it actually broke the pole. All of the sign elements were damaged. The sign was in pretty tough shape. Each of the diving lady figures were crushed, bent, and twisted. The diving lady was the most elegant, most visible example of Mesa's heyday. Her crash felt like the end of an era. We'll be right back after this break. So, John, this episode is brought to us by the Mesa Chamber of Commerce, and I'm assuming you know these people. The Mesa Chamber of Commerce are, are really, the, uh, they've been like the MVPs in our city throughout the pandemic, particularly for small businesses. Mm. Uh, we, they were a great partner in particularly helping us with with small businesses that needed to become a little more sophisticated. They needed to kind of up their game. They needed 
to get better at uh, having and using computer systems and uh, understanding social media. So Mesa Chamber of Commerce stepped into that need and did a great job. Uh, and because of those programs, uh, a lot of the small businesses in our city not only survived the pandemic, but they are much stronger than they were before. As a mayor, I'm grateful for the chamber because they have been a lifeline uh, to businesses large and small in our city. If there are businesses out there that would like networking opportunities or just to know more about the resources available to them, I'd encourage them to go to mesachamber.org. It bears mentioning that we almost lost the diving lady on another occasion. Here's the owner of the Starlight, Bob Patel. A couple of guys called me and said, hey, do you want to sell that lady? He was asking to buy the lady. Yeah. He doesn't want the whole sign. So they wanted to cut it off from the motel yeah. sign and just get the, the, the neon diving the lady. The guy from Las Vegas, so. But I said no. <laughs> she could have made it to the strip, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for keeping her, you know, back uh, home in Mesa. You're welcome. As for the day the diving lady fell, it certainly could have been worse. Fortunately, the sign fell onto the property. It didn't fall into the street. If it had fallen into the street, I have no doubt the city would have responded immediately. It would have been cut up, destroyed, and hauled away. As it was, it fell into the parking lot, and Vic was driving by and had seen it that it had fallen over, and he called me and said, we've got to do something about it. So Vic, let me let me get this straight. Vic Litnoff, the head of the Mesa Preservation Association, is just magically there minutes after this happens. I was going to lunch with a friend. We go by it and he said, something's different about that motel. And so when we came back, that's when we discovered that the sign was gone and laying down in, in the driveway. It was fortuitous because they wanted it out. He was telling us that he had contacted somebody to have it hauled away for $200. And we said, no, we don't want to see that happen. He was willing to let it lay there and give us 48 hours to find somebody to come and pick it up and take it away. Not only was Bob Patel kind enough to let the diving lady rest there for two days, he also gave the full insurance payout, $10,000, to the restoration effort. He's good people, Bob. Hauling away the diving lady would be one thing. Getting her repaired and diving again would be quite another. They took the sign to Larry Graham of Graham's Neon. Not only was he the best in the business, he had a very important asset. Larry had been mentored by Paul Millett, who built the sign originally. Larry's pedigree proved to be valuable, if for no other reason than he had the answers to a few nagging questions. At the top of the sign, there's a ladder about 10 feet long. We could not figure out why that ladder was there. Made no sense whatsoever. And because Larry had worked with uh, Paul Millett, we thought he might know. And Larry says, yeah, I know exactly why that, that ladder is there. Because uh, Paul Millett's crane only went this high. <laughs> and he needed to get to the top of the sign, so he cobbled together a ladder and uh, welded it uh, to the sign and just left it there. Uh, Larry wanted to take it down. Larry wanted to take it down, uh, and we said, no, no. Naturally, there were competing visions about how to go forward. Ron Peters. Larry wanted to replicate it. 
and basically he said that would be the easy thing to do. And we, we agreed with him. We, we recognized it because the sign was in pretty tough shape. Uh, Rust-wise, uh, birds had been living inside it. The frame was all rusted. But we felt that we wanted to build on what was there. In the end, preservation became the guiding principle. Larry's team was tasked with restoring the original look, but making it stronger and safer than ever. So we actually had to design a new frame and then take what was left of the diving lady's skin and mount that to the frame. We we did add some new pieces where they were necessary. And so at, at this point, did you have any inkling of how big a project this was going to be? Oh, yeah. No, we were experts. We knew exactly uh, how long it was going to take and how much it was going to cost. It was going to take three months, and it was going to take $60,000. Just in case you didn't pick up on Vic's sarcasm, that was sarcasm. One of the things that we learned is how complex a neon sign is. Vic learned a lot about neon. We should probably let him show off a little. Let's get nerdy, shall we? One, you've got to be a graphic artist to design the signs. Then you've got to be some sort of a structural engineer. Then you've got to be a sheet metal person. Then a neon glass blower. And that is a real art in itself. And then also you've got to be a chemist. In addition to the gases, there are powders that coat the tubes and create all of the different colors. So it's more than just a, a sign. Okay, back to us regular people and a bit of trivia. There was almost another serious wrinkle. After the sign fell, someone had stolen the one-of-a-kind mechanical device that controlled the animation timing. Rebuilding it from scratch wasn't going to be easy. But on this one, they got a lucky break. Larry Graham. So this dude that lives in an apartment down here. Just some random guy who would come in to talk now and then. Larry says to him, Some jerk stole the, the controller out of the diving lady. I said, who in the world would do that? He goes, I did. He goes, I got it at home. I said, well, can you bring it in? Well, about a week later, here, here it is. Well, that just saved me a whole bunch of grief. They needed a break. Vic and Ron had completely underestimated the complexity of neon signs, let alone one as large as the diving lady. And Larry Graham had never built something on this scale before. Very few people had. There were times when the project was seriously in doubt. But one thing kept them inspired. So many people grew up with that sign and recalled what the sign meant as they came into the valley from the mountains. And so when they saw that sign, uh, it really meant something to them. And our little binder is full of letters from people who just uh, not only wanted to contribute, but wanted to tell their story. My brother and I always looked for the Diving Lady landmark when we returned from the White Mountains. Eventually, my own children did. I have fond memories of traveling to Mesa and seeing this amazing neon lady. When my family was returning home from a road trip to see relatives, I always looked for the diving lady 
because I knew we were very close to home. Thank you for your good work. Enclosed is a small token of my appreciation for the restoration of the neon diving lady sign. I certainly wish it could be more, but I have It saddened me to hear the diving lady was damaged, but it is absolutely fantastic to hear that Mesa is doing something to fix the old girl. I hope this helps get her up again so younger generations can have fond memories of her. The donations that came in with letters of appreciation were enough to complete the three figures of the diving lady. But this actually created a problem for Larry. As they were completed, he had no place to store them. Then, a helping hand came from the most unlikely of places. The malls. Who had vacancies. And not only did they offer storage space. They were very gracious in giving us window exposure. And not only window exposure. We thought it really would be interesting to bring those signs out to the mall so people could get up and close and see just how big they were. The malls, those bright and shining behemoths that drained downtown Mesa were now themselves being drained of life. As a last act of kindness, they gave people a chance to see the diving lady up close. It made all the difference. When she was finally finished, 90% of what drivers could see, what drivers knew as the diving lady sign, was preserved. It took two and a half years and more than $125,000, but the day had come. The diving lady was scheduled for a relighting ceremony on April the 2nd, 2013. Vic and Ron tried to keep their expectations realistic. We were thinking if we got 100 people or 150, it would be a success. They invited then-Mayor Scott Smith to come and throw the switch. Here's Scott. I will say that we were, uh, we were not prepared for the overwhelming response. One of the staff said, eh, you know, go out there and give a couple of lines and uh, you'll be home for dinner. It's no big deal. The parking lot was overwhelmed and we literally had to bring in police to, to uh, control traffic. The estimates were uh, over a thousand people came to the motel. They were across the street. They were in the median. They were in the Kmart parking lot. Scott was there for three and a half hours. We didn't want to go home. I mean, once once the lady came back on, you just wanted to look at it. It was like a reunion. And that's what I remember is people trading stories. Three, two, one, start! The iconic diving lady sign returned to its original home at the Starlight Motel with lots of crowds and fanfare. Now, no one wants to be guilty of making too much of the diving lady's return and how it impacted downtown. And yet, talk to anyone who knows, and they'll all say the same thing. Something changed on that April day in 2013 when the lady started diving again. That was kind of what started, really got people aware of the history of Mason. And it can easily be translated uh, into buildings too. That's the key. The enthusiasm about restoring the diving lady somehow translated to enthusiasm for restoring our downtown historic buildings. And not just restoring them, but filling them with new, exciting businesses. It's been nothing less than a renaissance. 
Add former Mayor Scott Smith to the list of people who feel the same way. In a lot of ways, that diving lady was a catalyst. It, it, it caused people to focus on renewing things, and it, it helped people to see the future. And, they, and I know that sounds hokey, but it's true. He also had an interesting reflection on Vic. I'd almost run the other way when I would see Vic come up. He, he was just so persistent and, uh, and was so married to this idea. Like I said, he wore that diving lady tie everywhere. Uh, you need people like that in a community. You really need champions, and you need passion. The same could be said about Ron, too, and many others. As for Vic, somehow he got over his feelings about the lack of apple teenies and actually waxed a bit sentimental. What really warms my heart is this was truly um, a collaborative effort. From the community uh, support to the in-kind support, the city was a terrific partner. Truly, we couldn't have done it uh, without the, the city's help. But he snapped back to his old form pretty quickly. Vic, I am going to make things right with you today. I brought with me some, uh, it's always cool in Mesa, water bottle stickers that I'm going to give to you and Ron uh, to uh, compensate you for the, the short period of time that you spent with us this afternoon. Uh, no, wait, wait, let me get this straight. No water bottle, just stickers? Today, the diving lady nails that dive six times every minute. And from her 78-foot perch, she can see quite a bit, including a few closed malls and a thriving downtown. You get to see a lot of things come and go if you live long enough. And you can live a long time if there's a few friends there to pick you up when you fall. Tip your hat to the old gal when you pass by, won't you? So, John, you and I had the opportunity to go to what I guess we call the Boneyard. Right. And, uh, Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? Does, it does, but it is a collection of a lot of other signs that the Mesa Preservation Foundation yeah. has gathered up. The, the really cool signs that are in there, you know, Watson's Flowers and Dairy Queen uh, and Bill Johnson, they're amazing pieces of art, just like the Diving Lady. But we don't really know how or where we're going to celebrate them. Uh, someone, probably mayors after me, will figure this out. But uh, but it's going to be really cool when it comes together. It's going to be weird if we see the Bill Johnson sign <laughs> hanging outside your house. <laughs> I would like, love that. I, took that. I took that one. I like the Bill Johnson. <laughs> it, it, yeah, as far as you know, uh, it's not on its way to my garage right now. We're coming to the end of season one. We only have that's one right. more episode left, and we're at the end of season one. So I have oh, a little wow. gift here for you. Oh, wow. Clearly your wife was involved because there's she tissue was. paper involved. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> okay. You guys, what this is, this is the, the, the Vic Linhoff diving lady necktie. That's right. Vic. Which I had thought that I regifted too, yes. but lo and behold, it was in my closet. And now, uh, unfortunately for you, Vic will know that you have this tie. <laughs> I will wear this, but it'll probably be for no longer than five-minute increments whenever Vic is in the room. Brian and I made a fun campaign video about this whole event back in 2016. If you want to see it, the link is in the show notes. You can also find it on mesaaz.gov slash it's always cool. While you're there, leave us an idea for a future episode, and please remember to subscribe to this podcast, leave a comment, and share it with a friend.